Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Chicago Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. And the Cubs have completed, let's not even talk about the record for a minute, they've completed one-sixth of their 2020 schedule. Am I crazy or does that feel like, uh, oh hey, that's notable. One-sixth of the schedule, they actually got it in the books. And then this weekend it will be 25%. Is that right? Jeez, it just—it's just going so quickly. Yeah. I mean, I mean just... <laughs> what 15, 15 games, twenty-five percent. Yeah, they yeah. only need five more. Now, of course, that—that that leads right into the question here at the top. So, like, we're—we're we're just about to record, and Yadi Molina announces on his Instagram that among the, uh, or we believe it's among the seven known player positive tests for the Cardinals during their current outbreak uh, that he is among them. So, you know, first and foremost, of course, well wishes to him, his family, to the rest of the players, to the coaching staff there, to anybody affected. And you hope for a quick and, uh, you know, safe long-term return for all of these guys. But it, it, again, it underscores uh, the far reaching consequences of this kind of outbreak, right? The Marlins are due to return today to action. They have not played for eight days. They are down 18 players um, that they have tried frantically to replace. Um, and they'll play again tonight against the Orioles. And now we're looking at the Cardinals situation. Um, it is conceivable that if they have no additional positives this week, they will return on Friday. And it just so happens that the team coming to visit them, uh, at least according to the schedule, is the Cubs. Yeah, I, I can't imagine uh, the uneasy feeling of not knowing if or when you'll play this weekend uh, for, I mean, obviously the Cardinals are shut down and, and their their whole season is kind of up in the air in a sense. Uh, what, what they're going to do going forward is, is unknown. But as far as the Cubs go, I mean, what if it's got to be so frustrating to know that you're playing well, to know that it's taken how long for this team to kind of come together and put a you know get off to a hot start uh, they've been waiting for it since 2016 to look like this out of the gates and obviously we knew coming into this season that that everything was you know hanging by a thread but just this early to be playing well and then you don't know I mean John Lester doesn't know when his next start is he's he's assuming that this weekend's games won't be played but even that's not a safe assumption you don't and then there's always the trepidation of okay are they really all negative is it is, is it clear is it safe to go there uh we we do have some evidence that you know this you know when you play another team and there's an outbreak it it, it may not uh, uh you may be lucky enough to avoid it when, when we look at the phillies and uh probably some other teams who, whoever the cardinals played right before was at the twins uh so those so that's some a, a little bit of of good news there that you know we don't even have full evidence of what's going on to be sure. But yeah, it, it's just a really weird situation. I, I I think you have to commend Ross. We've talked about this a lot, but you really have to commend him about striking that balance of take this very seriously. We need to follow these protocols. We need to be strict about this. But also when you're on the field, go out there and have fun. Play baseball. This is supposed to be your, you know, a, an escape uh, for the time being. Go do that. Go enjoy yourself. That they've been able to strike that balance, I think that's huge. I really got to give Ross props there. 
I don't know what happens in the next 50 games if they play him or not. Uh, but but through 10 games, you got to give them give the Cubs and, and David Ross a, a lot of credit for how they've handled uh, this very difficult situation. Baseball is kind of braced for a team like the Marlins to maybe backslide or not be quite as an adherent to the protocols. I think they just didn't think it was going to happen the first weekend of the season. Uh, we see the Cardinals, uh, a franchise which with a much, a far more uh, rich history and with a lot of juice throughout the industry, they're still trying to play. Uh, I think, I, I know I had wondered that with the Marlins, like if this had happened to the Yankees, would we even be having this conversation? So they're pushing forward and, you know, I think the Cubs have been walking this really fine line between sort of pounding their chests about this uh, and also knowing that they don't want to kind of knock on wood, tempt fate here, that they are, you know, uh, every team is kind of like this close to having the outbreak that might shut uh, everything down. But I don't know if this is like the new weird competitive advantage, but I do think the Cubs um, – are sort of built for this in a sense, just in that they have a really experienced, uh, big front office. Uh, they have, while he's a new manager, he's someone who has a, a ton of credibility and a lot of respect in the clubhouse and in the front office and a lot of, uh, on camera experience as kind of the public spokesman of this, but you know, ultimately it, comes down to the players who I think are just at this kind of you know sweet spot in their lives and their careers to where they um, understand what's at stake they know not only each other you know they've they know each other's families and they know there's a lot of you know kind of uh, higher risk or you know delicate fragile situations at home that they don't want to be the one who kind of uh, messes this up and we all know the economics of uh this roster and how their time together is kind of dwindling and so um while we're all kind of at the mercy of uh you know getting an update of you know you know positive tests or like you know bad news around the cubs you know so far i think they should be commended for how they've uh, handled it yeah that's the balance um where you've got a an organization like the Cubs that since the screening test at the start of summer camp, I believe they're the only organization not to have a positive. And you want to celebrate that because surely they do at some individual level and some organizational level deserve credit for that. But at the same time, we also acknowledge that this virus can get you even if you're doing everything right i mean we we all recognize that in our own daily lives and so you don't want to assign too much credit or too much blame i didn't love the sort of the conversations around the periphery of like what happened with the marlins or what happened with the cardinals and it's like oh they did this or they did this i think those are stories we tell ourselves because we want to believe that avoiding the virus is actually entirely within our control, whether in our personal lives or a team's existence. Like, no, no, no. If you just do the right things, you are guaranteed to avoid it and see these guys didn't do the right things. And so they definitely got it. Um, I think that's not realistic. I don't, and I don't think that's fair. And so that's the balance we strike. I think it's great what has happened so far with the Cubs and with most teams, frankly. Um, but I do think that Mooney is right, that 
it feels like we're just like waiting. Okay, when's the next team outbreak? And will that be the one that shuts it down? Or are we going to get into this rhythm where it's like, as long as there's only one outbreak at a time, the season, you know, like whose turn is it this week? Okay, you're shut down this week. And then next week you're shut down. Uh, I don't know. Don't know what would happen. But we do know that right now the um, Marlins are resuming play tonight. And the Cardinals, if they have no additional positives this week, very well may resume uh, on Friday against uh, the Cubs. And so in the meantime, we got to go backwards now. And the Cubs have won four in a row. They wound up sweeping the Pirates this weekend. uh, And they took the first game from the uh, Royals uh, last night. Uh, Dan Duffy pitched pretty darn well against the Cubs, but uh, he was matched by Alec Mills. His just unique ability to change speeds so well with five pitches that he distributes almost equally throughout a start. Just a really interesting guy. And yet, if I'm guessing right, I'm going to throw this to Mooney on this one, but if I'm guessing right, Mills, uh, the, the slight offense, that kind of stuff probably isn't the major conversation piece for folks from the last three or so games. I'm thinking it's something else. Hmm, I, I wonder what that could be maybe the uh the bullpen is that was that what you're thinking (laughs) it's possible it's possible yeah i think it's really funny because you know the this is a kind of really small margin for error like you know the cubs lost a lot of those games over the last couple years and like cubs aren't that far away from you know maybe being around 500 and kind of these same stuff you know kind of coming around i do think the offense has I, i feel like that's kind of been an issue we've noticed of like you know they might have one beginning and then it's just like zeros the rest of the way or I think these kind of tack on runs the home runs late have obviously made a a big difference given some breathing room to the bullpen that's something that feels like we haven't seen you know a ton of uh in recent years and uh yeah I mean this this bullpen I, I think you know David Ross having an air quotes closer controversy one week into the season uh, was pretty interesting. Normally uh, would be great fodder for us. Obviously there's just so much else going on that it's hard to kind of like focus um, on that. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, David Ross once again is uniquely positioned to tell Craig Kimbrell, like, you know, look, dude, you're not right. Like you got to figure some stuff out. And, you know, he knows Craig's family. He was there when Kimbrell was a rookie of the year, uh, starting this run of showing up in the MVP and Cy Young award voting. So while I don't think that's going to happen this year, I do think he's kind of the right messenger with some of the stuff that they're talking about. And, Look, I mean, they've gotten guys off the scrap heap who've all of a sudden were pitching for them in the playoffs. Like, it's not totally unreasonable to think Craig Kimbrell can be better than what he's been. It's just that with all of this, there's a really short window to get it right, and we haven't seen a really any indications from Kimbrell from the moment that he signed that he's kind of locked in. I guess you can even go back to 2018 with the Red Sox. It's not like they were trusting him to to win the World Series there. A couple things pop into my mind when I think about the Craig Kimbrell situation. It's, is this only being handled this way because it's a 60-game season? If this was 162 games, how would we see Ross handle this? How differently would we see Ross handle this? I, I Obviously, there, there's no way to answer that. Uh, but 
but I just don't. I, we just don't know if if he would have been as quick to pull the trigger on this and 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 pull him from this role. Uh, but it, it's great to see that a rookie manager can do this. There's there was no hesitation. Uh, he obviously did it in a respectful manner. Didn't come out and blast him to the media or anything like that. He, he did it in a way that he's like, "This is a discussion I need to have with Craig. We're working su- through some things." And you have to appreciate all that. Uh, I think I know the bullpen. <laughs> the numbers are ugly. I think you're starting to see some some players start to some pitchers kind of start to stand out. Uh, I think you know obviously there's. In the past few years, we've seen Rowan Wick and Kyle Ryan kind of emerge as guys that that they unearthed and and kind of uh, either tweaked or added something to or or did something to kind of maximize that talent level. I'm starting to wonder if if, if Casey Sadler is in that group, if if he'll enter that group as a guy that they kind of, okay, this guy's decent. Uh, Here's here's how we can kind of adjust your curveball. And now you have an out pitch. And now this guy's a legitimate setup man. Way too early to to make that uh, conclusion, but just from the early looks, outside of that first uh, outing when he couldn't get a grip on the ball, he looks really he looks pretty good. He looks very useful. That's that's a I mean you know there's a there's a solid amount of uh, of guys that are starting to emerge from that group that makes you feel like okay something. Uh, could be you know you could find some stability here this this could be a bullpen that gets you by obviously there's still huge concerns with who gets those final outs I mean who I'd like to see more swing and miss in general from guys like Jeffress and Wick uh, guys that have done well that I just want to see it go forward and, and more peripherals kind of start to uh, start to come through outside of just pure results. You'll take pure results in a 60 game sample, of course, and, and, and ride that as long as you can. But uh, I'm just not sure what we're seeing uh, just yet with this group, good or bad. Uh, if I can. So I agree with all that. Agree with everything Mooney said, very appreciative of the quick decision for now on Kimbrel. I think you do start to see some guys emerging, you know, even if you're only talking about, three games well in this season it's like you got to start picking up on these things as quickly as possible and I do think that based on you know who gets used in an extra inning situation who gets up in a tight game like last night you kind of start to feel like yeah Sadler, Tapera, Winkler, Jeffress, Wick are kind of guys that that David Ross is already comfortable with and I think though um, you know if I can do the thing where you try to worry about the thing that you're not worried about yet, but it might be the next thing that you're worried about. You know, among those guys I just mentioned, they're all righties. And Kyle Ryan, um, although he last year was a very reliable guy, uh, I think a lot of us have noticed this year, and he did have a late arrival to summer camp, that his velocity is um, its not just down a little bit, it's down into some kind of alarming territory, mid-80s. Um, and he's, you know, Cutter's been dipping down even into the low 80s. Um, you know, he's not a big velocity guy. He hasn't been. But, you know, fastball was closer to 90 last year, and the cutter was in the upper 80s. So it's it's a pretty noticeable issue, potentially, and we'll see if it's just a matter of he needed a little time uh, or if it's something more serious to be concerned about because he did then get teed off on his last time out. Um, and for that reason, for the fact that Brad Wick is injured – um, for the fact that uh, Rex Brothers, 
great stuff, but just, you know, you just aren't sure he's going to be able to command it at all. Um, what do the Cubs have going on from the left side? You know, they just called up Justin Steele, who is, uh, you look at his pitches and you're like, okay, yeah, I can see a big league arm there. But he also has pitched very limited time above high A, and it was not super successful. He's still still a work in progress. Uh, so I just wonder what's going to happen from the left side for the Cubs. And I'm going to plant the seed. We don't have to talk about it. I just want to plant the seed so that in a month, people can be like, I think Brett said something about that on the Onto Waveland podcast. By the way, go to theathletic.com slash Onto Waveland, sign up. If you're not a reader, get yourself a 40% off right there. Boom. See, I got it into the middle of the podcast. Uh, here's the seed I'm planting. If Alec Mills is still pitching well, if everybody's healthy in the rotation, if you feel like you need a two, three inning lefty available in your bullpen, Jose Quintana comes back. Just saying, it's a short season. It wouldn't be that unusual to be like, you know what? In this weird situation, I know you, we know you're a starter. We believe you're a starter. We know you're coming up on free agency, all that stuff. But because of the odd ramp up injury situation, we just feel like your your best use to us and your best best health situation for yourself is in the bullpen. So I, I want to plant that seed because the lefty thing right now is a it's a big question, and I don't know that Braylon Marquez and Burl Caraway, as much as fans want to love on them, I don't know that they're going to be the answer this year. Because didn't Quintana maybe game five against the Nationals in 2017, didn't he come in and have a nice stretch as a reliever? But kind of to your point of it'll be kind of all hands on deck because you're right. Like what if the Cubs aren't facing like the Royals and the Pirates and they don't have like four to five run leads <laughs> to work with and if as these other relievers get into the grind of the season after a three-week summer training camp uh, or if there is you know one of those one or two of those positive tests that the Cubs have avoided so far yeah I mean I think you know maybe it's not Justin Steele but I mean they gave him like a million dollars out of high school they've given um, you know a lot of money to a bunch of different guys like that who've been kind of working in South Bend, Uh, whether or not it was a million dollars, they've invested a lot of time, a lot of resources, uh, a lot of hopes. And you you just got to think, you know, one or two of those names, you know, has to probably pop for them uh, if this is going to work, if they're not going to really have a true trade deadline, um, if Quintana has a setback or or something like that. But yeah, I think you're right, Brad. I think that's a, I'd imagine they're probably already thinking in those terms, whether or not they've expressed that to Jose Quintana. I'm not quite sure yet. Yeah. It, I mean, I, he, Ross kind of said, you know, I'll, I'll take the t- difficult situation. You know, obviously I want my pitchers pitching well. Uh, so if this is a difficult call come, you know, whatever, three weeks from now, great. Uh, he, he, he'd prefer it that way, right? Let, let's make things hard on him and, and try and figure out what to do. I, you know, Quintana's not the prototypical lefty you'd want to bring out of the pen to kind of shut another team's best lefty down. Uh, I guess, you know, I don't want to, there's a lot of recency bias there with, with Quintana for me in the sense that uh, the most recent stuff that we've seen with him is, it's not been good results, whether it be September last year or spring training uh, this year, he just didn't, he hasn't looked right. So so it's hard to know exactly what you're going to get with him. Uh, I trust he's put in the work and and will continue to as as he ramps back up uh, to to kind of get to a place where maybe that old Quintana 
shows up. Uh, but he's, I think he's as big as a question mark uh, as the other lefties that we have right now too to discuss in this bullpen. Uh, so is it? I'm not sure if he's a if you can safely say anything about him as far as uh, producing out of the pen. I don't, I don't know if you can if they're going to go to Caraway or Marquez, but those are the types of guys that have the stuff, right? Like, there's no doubt that. You talk about guys with bright futures coming up late in the season and and helping out of the bullpen. That's exactly the type that, that those are the types of guys that that have that pedigree, that have that uh, prospect status. That people say, "Yep, they could help in a short burst in a September and then postseason run." I mean, I, I don't want to compare these guys to David Price, but Price did that. I believe Wainwright, obviously not a lefty, but Wainwright did that. Uh, early in his career with the Cardinals it's just a you know you you have these guys with ridiculous stuff you're in a playoff race you bring them up the first time through the league the league is in all likelihood it's going to struggle mightily against these guys so I, you just have to hope that uh, that either I mean Quintana I, I think that's a great point Brett can Quintana be that lefty out of the pen and if he's not I think you have to give if they're still contending, if the season is still going on, and and they're in contention. I, I think Caraway or, or Marquez has to be uh, has to be at least tried if you're still looking for a lefty to shut things down out of the pen. Yeah, I think you raise for me what is actually the bigger question than readiness of these young arms because, like you said, with their natural stuff, can they throw strikes? Yeah, then they'll probably have success first time through the league. That's just how it'll be. But the bigger question is, do you think the season is going to finish? Are you going to go to the postseason and finish that off? Because I think that you that that does affect not just for like service time considerations we talked about last time, but also just for like how you want to handle your players. Um, so anyway, but the but the the bigger picture thing for the bullpen is that we had some nice data points. We you know that some some of the arms may be starting to sort themselves out, um, which by the way, is a pretty big deal. And I don't know that we've gotten conclusion on this yet, but rosters are supposed to cut down to 28 in uh, what? Like end of this week? How do we not know? I don't don't know. I'm sure teams are better informed than we are, but you know, we know on paper, that's what the plan is right now. End of this week, you're going to be dropping two guys, maybe. Um, And I think it is very important that some of the roles start to get sorted out in the bullpen because in all likelihood those it'll be two relievers that drop down or not i don't know uh <laughs> so let's leave that Who knows? uh on the offensive side of things nice for the cubs to get chris bryant back last night uh he missed a couple games uh dap to him as we talk about the cubs having success um on the COVID side of things, but I really dug that you know he was the guy who was praising the reds last week for having self-reported some symptoms, Mike Moustakis and Nick Senzel. Um, and it did hurt them on the field, likely, to not have those two guys available for games, incidentally, against the Cubs. It probably hurt them, but that's what has to be done. You know, you, you have to accept that, okay, I'm going to miss some games, even though I might have negative tests. I'm going to miss some games, but I have to do the right thing just in case. And, you know, Bryant was the one saying that, and then this weekend, Bryant was the one doing that. Uh, really respect that. I love that not only for what it could mean to the Cubs, but also just to have a big star additionally sending out that messaging to the league, particularly here in the early going, particularly where there have been outbreaks, to just remind her that, hey, 
I'm taking myself out of the lineup for a couple days. And it's not like my team doesn't need me. You know, the early chatter, obviously, people freak out when Bryant looks a little off. And he did. It wasn't just the results. He looked a little bit off. You know, but he comes back, double in his first at bat, homers later in the game. And, uh, you know, I, I think that all proceeded about as well as you could have hoped a situation like that to proceed. Yeah, and Bryant does deserve a lot of credit. I'm not taking any away from him. Uh, but it, it so you're about to take away some with credit all due from respect him right away. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, with he, all due respect, even he to, said he, he was like, he's like, I didn't even know it was a symptom. I was just looking for some relief, <laughs> and the doctors were like, Oh, you know what? Let's be safe and send you home. And he's like, but he's like, but I'm glad I did. I, it's absolutely the right thing to do. They they did the right thing, and this is what we need to do, and and blah blah blah. And he and he was he's great about it. He he, had, but I. I just found it funny that he admitted that he was like, I, I didn't even know. I was just like, uh, you know, I, I'm crapping my pants here and I need, I need something to, to help me out. He didn't say that's that. a direct, <laughs> that's a direct quote, right? For, that sounds like Brian. <laughs> so, but I, it, it's so true. It's, it's such a weird season in the sense that, yeah, I, I mean, you're, a, I wrote this, but, but you know, it, you're supposed to tough through these things as an athlete. Oh, I have the sniffles. Who cares? I'm going to go play. And, and uh, you know, aches and pains. Normally, you'd just say that's the normal wear and tear of the season. But oh wait, is this the start of you know? Uh, am I achy because I'm sick? Uh, and I better check that out. I better uh, you know go to the go to the medical staff and and make sure. Uh, you can't be too cautious right now because that that's how it spreads and it's going to spread within your team as we've seen like one person gets it you're traveling with them you're in a you know you're in an airplane with them you're in the clubhouse with them for a little bit even though you're supposed to limit that time it's still it still happens we've seen it happen already to two teams it can spread quickly and it just shuts down the entire your entire season so it's it's imperative that these guys follow these protocols that they that they're uh, that they're checking one another that they that they're making sure that if they feel the slightest bit off they're alerting uh the staff and and it, it makes it'll it'll help your team in the long run and, and yes it's great to see Brian have a good game when he comes back he he looked like he was getting his stroke down towards the end of that uh red series mm-hmm. i i, I can't hitting remember. it hard yes he started to hit the ball hard there was that one drive to to left center at the, at the end of the red series that you know it, it was the deepest part of the ballpark and and he just hit it well and it's one of those things where you're like okay and maybe brian's finding his stroke and you wondered two days off is that going to screw up his timing obviously not i mean i didn't think anyone was hitting a ball out to left field yesterday uh, he he hit it exactly how you have to kind of low line drive uh, kind of towards the the video board. That's probably the best place to get it out in left field when the wind was coming in. But I was yesterday was one of those nights at Wrigley. If you if you aren't uh, prepared for that, you're you're going to be shocked at how cold it is. Uh, I can I can report that NBC Sports newest reporter Maddie Lee was freezing her butt off last night, and I was like, yeah, if it says 70 degrees at Wrigley, just be prepared that it could be like 45 in the press box if it's windy. Uh, she learned her lesson, and, and I'm sure she'll be bundling up tonight. But it's just one of those things. It's a cold cold night at Wrigley in August, right? Just because. Can I just add that who was better situated for that surprise? Uh, to arrive at Wrigley Field for a surprise cold during a pandemic than Jorge Soler. With the, you know, <laughs> who else could have the balaclava ready to go 
you know, it's like whatever you throw at me, I'm going to be ready. Whether it's the pandemic, whether it's the cold at Wrigley, I might be a visitor, but I know. That was Jesse Rogers. I don't know if he he did it himself or he asked ESPN stats and research, but he always had those numbers down of like Solaire's OPS <laughs> above and below a certain below temperature 45 degrees. threshold. Yeah. Like he would always go to that. And I, I need to uh, circle back with him on that one because that was like his thing during that time. That was that was classic. <laughs> Did you did you guys see or hear? I don't know if they announced this in the press box press box last night since Verad Solaire that he has like the third longest active player streak in baseball right now. Jorge Soler, games dude played. who yeah games yeah. played like active streak right now, like is the third <laughs> longest. Now granted, you can DH with the Royals, but like my God, this this dude could not buy a two game stretch on the Cubs when he was around. Uh, and here he is, the you know relative Iron Man of the Kansas City Royals. So, you know, shouts. Hey, in all seriousness, I love that he has found tremendous success uh, with the Royals, particularly uh, at the tail end of his time with the Cubs. You know, you loved the power. You loved there was so much to like about the swing, the physicality. Uh, but he just could not diagnose spin to save his life, and it was just like you're not going to succeed in this league for more than a minute if you can only feast on fastballs and to his credit, even, you know, uh, change a team, different set of eyes and all that. Uh, he appears to have sorted it out quite a bit cause he's had a great deal of success with the Royals. So good for him. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Solaire Solaire is a, a good story. One of those, I'm, I'm sure there's Cubs fans shaking their fists at you right now. How dare you compliment a guy who's left who's left the Cubs and is now thriving. But, uh, you know, one of the, one of the many that, uh, that, that are thriving now that they've, uh, you know, been traded away in a sense and, and found more playing time and regular playing time. But Hey, the Cubs got Alec Mills from Kansas city. So, so don't they get credit for that one? They, they won and that trade. <laughs> they got back the very guy that they yeah. traded to acquire Mills, Donnie Dewey's. They ended up getting him back a couple years later. So, it's like a freebie. Yeah, exactly. So you'll, you'll loved, take the Alec Mills. I, th- I think the Cubs need more starting pitching than they do, you know, poor defending uh, corner outfielders, uh, power hitting corner outfielders. They'll they'll take the, the starting pitcher with the sub two ERA through two starts on the season. I think. Well, and I loved yeah Mills quote about facing the Royals finally four <laughs> years later where uh, what he didn't he didn't actually drop the Ivan Drago quote, but it just popped into my head like. You know, oh, how do you feel facing the rest? If he dies, he dies. Uh, that had that had that vibe to it. I think it was what it's my job to to make it hurt or something yeah, so, like that. Yeah, it was yeah. a good quote. I I wasn't expecting it, but he just he just kind of came out with it. He's like, yeah, of course I'm still holding that. He's like, you got to do that. That's part of how you motivate yourself. I like it. It's the glasses. You just you think it's mild mannered. You know, I'm looking here on this call. You know, Michael and Sahadev. You got this the specs going on. It's like, oh, don't worry about them. And then all of a sudden, the ferocity just emerges. You know, quickly they do. They've always said this. You can you have to take it with a grain of salt when when people say this about a guy because you just you never know what the hell it means half the time. But but they're like, we we love the way he carries himself. We love the way he, he is on the mound. 
and he, they've been right. He's not. He he hasn't really been shaken, taking the mound these two starts, and and he's done it before in the past where he's just been called upon. Like, okay, we're calling you up, and you got to start, and and he and and he's handled it well. So you know, there's no doubt that there's something to that. He handles himself on the on the mound really well. He doesn't get rattled. Uh, base runner gets on. There's an error behind him. Whatever it is. He's, he just works right through it, and you got to give him props. I mean, we probably haven't talked enough about him, but, it, the, I mean, just great start to the season for him and, and, you know, not the greatest stuff in the world. It's kind of like a Kyle Hendricks type thing where you're not going to be blown away by anything, but he gets the job done. All right. Uh, so we – what is it? Uh, it's Tuesday, folks. Uh, thank you for listening, and we'll be back at you later this week, possibly – previewing the cardinal series uh we'll see you know we'll certainly be tracking that this week as the cubs wrap up with kansas city what playing again one more in chicago and then going to kansas city for two i'm sure there was a scheduling reason for doing these like two home and home things it seems needlessly it just seems bizarre to me but um, i'm sure there was a reason anyway that's what will happen this week and uh, for you folks, you're going to want to make sure to go to theathletic.com slash onto Waveland, read up from Mooney and Sahadev. Uh, and if you go to that link, theathletic.com slash onto Waveland, you're going to save yourself 40% when you sign up for a subscription. Big recommend on that one. Uh, I am Brett Taylor. That's Sahadev Sharm and Patrick Mooney. Catch my stuff at Bleach Nation. Catch their stuff at The Athletic. Make sure you are rating and reviewing onto Waveland and saying how much you love it. And we will be back at you later this week. Take care, all. Thanks.